0: On today's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, we continue our 2021 MLS preview as Chris Bills joins us to discuss all things Austin FC. You can follow the show on Twitter at Uncle SamSoccerPod, Soccer Pod, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Now, let's get to today's episode.
1: Hey boys, uh listeners, familiar voice you may have heard in the intro there. Uh he's back. The one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Stephen Jodrayan. Steven, you're back. Where have you been? Why have you abandoned us?
0: Well, <laughs> um just life life's happening, busy, but let's talk soccer. I'm excited to talk soccer because As I mentioned earlier, and uh, you mocked me for this, Austin FC is on the list of clubs I will be paying attention to closely. So I'm very excited that they're in MLS and uh, I'm really hoping the rivalry really gets started between them and Columbus. That's really what I'm here for.
1: Yeah, listeners, you can uh, follow the show on Twitter at UnkSamSoccerPod, at Steven Jodaran, at JustinSosa99, at Jake Uh Justin, what is your excitement level as uh, Austin FC is a little uh- under two months away from making their, their MLS debut?
2: I'm excited to see them in action. Um, I've kind of grown tired of kind of tuning in for for Houston uh in terms of Texas soccer and I, I think Victor Ariza in our last kind of podcast um you know while while we did our best to kind of look forward to to what to expect for next for this season um it looks like Houston's bound for another dry spell this year um so it'll be cool to see see another new team kind of join the league um I'm just excited for their players I'm most excited for Rodney Redes the the young 20 year old that they signed as their first signing last year. Um, He's built like the Brazilian Hulk. Uh, he's just as fast and I think as nimble as him. And uh, I, I, I think I think there's a lot of potential in him to be kind of this uh, this cult like player with an MLS if if he kind of plays out to be um, like Hulk was as a player. Not not necessarily meaning in like weird Russian commercials where he shoots the ball and like blows his teammate with that. Uh, but but uh, you know there's the the skill set and the qualities are there to to kind of see see the resemblance
0: rank uh jake rank austin dallas houston one two three as far as your excitement level
1: okay we'll go my excitement level ah that's tough i mean austin's one because it's like it's like this new thing it's this new shiny toy how can you not rank that one but in the same sense though if i'm looking like for the future of u.s soccer as a general or in general i feel like you have to put fc dallas number one so i guess what are what are you just saying like just
0: Bro, come on. For come on, watching for watching just, purposes? Just your excitement level. For, for, I don't care for, for watching reasons,
1: purposes, I'm going Austin, Dallas, 50 feet of crap, Houston Dynamo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Justin, you uh, you on the
2: same level? I'd go, I'm still a little bit more excited to see Dallas play um, Austin than Houston. I mean, I'm kind of, I, I, I wouldn't put Houston above either of the other two, but I am interested in seeing Houston because I just want to see like, like where do they go this year? What what happens this year now? Because I mean I I think they made some solid kind of veteran signs. and I mean we talked about all this stuff in our in our last pod with, with Victor Riza. Um, but I am just kind of I mean that's that's I think that's the thing with a lot of these with all three of these Texas teams, right? Is like okay, Dallas made uh, the playoffs last year, made a good run, um, finished I think third in, in the conference. Um, you know, do they take that next step forward? Houston, you know, finished bottom of the table in the West, um, you know, give them a pass because of whatever happened last year Tab Ramos first year as head coach. Um, but now they've brought in new players and they have older players that are locked on new contracts. You know, do they take the next step? And then with Austin, it's like, there's no, I mean, I guess there's a next step to take in terms of getting on the field, but like there's nothing to kind of look back on and say, okay, where do they go from here? It's more or less just, okay, where do they start? How did they start? Um, so there's a level of excitement around all of them, but I, I would rank it Dallas, Austin, Houston.
1: listeners question of the day it's a two-parter are you excited for austin fc and should they embrace the villain role we'll get to that with chris bills he's up next
0: Joining us right now from Austin, Texas, is Chris Bills of the Striker, Texas. You can give him a follow at Chris Bills. Chris, hope you're staying warm. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing all
3: right, man. I'm, I'm very fortunate that, that I've had power for the last few days. I don't know if all your listeners are familiar with what, what the, what, what's been happening in Texas, but not prepared for winter down here. So we've had a uh, few different rounds of, of winter weather and uh, a lot of folks without power. Uh, we've been without water in my place since, uh, I think, Monday. So it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> crazy, weird times, but happy to hop on and talk a little soccer with you guys.
1: Well, we appreciate you uh, giving us the, this time as, like you said, everything's kind of crazy right now uh, in Texas. And before we talk soccer, obviously, uh, I feel like we'd be remiss to not mention this, but with all the things that are happening in Texas with the widespread uh you know blackouts and people like yourself without water and other uh necessities like that can you talk about some of the stuff some of the clubs down there are doing uh, to help people out in that area
3: yeah for sure so um i kind of started yesterday on wednesday um the austin fc folks uh, i think sort of kicked things off with uh you know, Matt Beasler and Hector Jimenez and um, Brad Stuver uh, got together and and put out a Go, GoFundMe link that the rest of the players shared. And then um, that kind of went, um, I don't want to say viral, but it got picked up quite a bit. And then uh, I saw that the Dynamo and the Dash and, and FC Dallas are doing similar things in their communities. Uh, for Austin, it's the Austin Area Urban League that's been doing a lot to help out, especially with the uh, – um the homeless population and and other people that have really been struggling um, with um, the the freezing conditions and uh, you know obviously with without without heat um, and necessities uh, it's been quite a challenge, and the road conditions have been terrible as well. so it's not like you can really go anywhere. Uh, a lot of businesses haven't had power either, so um, yeah, uh, good to see the players though pitching in and and with the Austin FC players, a lot of them have been here for less than a month and they're already starting to kind of give back to the community. And it was very much a player player led uh, thing yesterday uh, to get uh, that, that launched. And I think they've raised over $20,000 in a a day. So uh, good to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good to see. And uh, well, we are going to turn the page and talk about some soccer and as weird as it is saying it now, but how excited is the city of Austin to have you know, an MLS club, the, I guess they've had professional teams before, but this is the top of set, this sport. How excited is the city?
3: Yeah. Like you said, it's the first major league team, uh, in Austin's history. Of course, the Longhorns take up a lot of uh, attention, uh, especially media attention here, uh, you know, with football and, you know, basketball and, and even baseball down here in Texas. But, uh, the, you know, MLS is, is coming to town and, uh, you know, I think, From an old Austin perspective, I think people were a little bit unsure what to think right right away. But this is a city that's that's growing. It's got so many uh, people that are, you know, I guess in your your and I's age and, uh, you know, just, you know, love, um, you know, love soccer. I've grown up with it. Um, And of course, you know, they sold out of season tickets uh, really fast. Um, They had over 40,000 deposits for season tickets. The jersey sales have been through the roof. Um, you know, people are excited. I think this is going to be, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey is involved, uh, which always helps, uh, you know, kind of drive some interest here locally. And, uh, you know, it's I think it's going to be a big, big deal. Now, when we're able to get in a packed stadium, uh, that's the next question. And I think that'll really kind of show things off and, and show us show the world what Austin has to offer as far as soccer city. But uh, I think it's coming and, and it's going to be um, going to be really, really neat to see um, how the city embraces this team.
2: Yeah, and there's plenty to be excited about, too, even, you know, even without a ball being kicked just yet. Um, Roster-wise, I mean, I, I look at this Austin team, and I'm excited to see kind of how, uh, you know, they put they put all these guys together. You guys have two DP spots filled already with uh, Thomas Pochettino most recently um, and Cecilio Dominguez. Uh, could you maybe walk us through kind of what these two players, I guess, bring to the team that that made Austin want to make them their their first two designated player signings?
3: Yeah, so, of course, uh, you know, Austin's been adding players, I think, since the summer. Uh, Rodney Ratis was the first one. It looks like he's going to be uh, likely uh, fit into that young designated player, that under-22 uh, initiative as well. Um, they signed him for, I think, a reported $2.75 million out of, out of out of Paraguay, uh, and he's only 20. Uh, and then Cecilia Dominguez came right after that. Um, from Independiente, Independiente in Argentina, but went on loan with Redis. Uh They've been playing together at uh, Club Guaraní uh, in Paraguay, um, and so that's kind of neat. They, they, you know, uh, Dominguez is is going to play on the left wing most likely. Uh, that's his natural position, uh, sort of inverted winger. Uh, has had stints in in Mexico with Club America. Um, was a pretty big, big name player there at Independiente, but didn't quite live up to expectations that, you know, were sort of put on him at both of those clubs. He was a very high dollar signing at both of those clubs. Um, and, uh, you know, especially at Independiente, just, you know, never found his form, never found his footing. Uh, but a lot of people think that he could be, uh, a really, um, sorry, getting a, getting a call, um. Yeah, a lot of people think that that Dominguez could be uh, really good in MLS, um, and you know he's gonna fit right into what jo- the the way that Josh Wolf wants to play. Um, you know, being you know a, a, you know a speedy attacking player on the wing, um, and being able to play multiple positions, he can kind of float inside. That's what he did a lot with Guarani. Is he kind of floated in from that left wing to you know to, took the ball at the top of the box. And then with Pochettino, uh, you know, similar, you, you know, a lot of the profiles of these attacking players that, you know, there there's a lot of diversity and, you know, a lot of, uh, they can play play a lot of different positions for Pochettino. He's, uh, you know, going to play up the field in the, the middle of the field, um, kind of the number eight, he can play, you know, almost number 10. I think, you know, he played that quite a bit at Tajeres uh, in Argentina. Um, but, you know, I've seen in interviews with uh, Joel Signora, Senora who actually, you know, played with him all growing up uh, from the Dallas area, but played at the Boca Juniors uh, Academy with Pochettino, said that he's, you know, almost thinks of him as more of a number six. So, you know, that's, you know, he can sit a little deeper, spray the ball. Um, you know, he's very comfortable with the ball at his feet, you know, so likely won't see him pop up too much on the wing. Uh, but you know again a, a player who can fit into multiple different spots and i think josh wolf's going to want to play out of out of a base four three three and so he fits really well into that you know so what you've sort of seen with the u.s men's national team of course very familiar with what greg what greg Berholter's done of kind of those two floating number eights i think that's going to be sort of similar to how josh wolf's going to want to set up and pochettino should fit right into that
2: i i have rodney red as like kind of highlight as a player to watch this season uh one because he was you know uh austin's first ever player signing and when i kind of took my own time to watch him play his his build his positioning and and just the general way he goes about playing soccer reminds me a lot of hulk and uh um (laughs) for yeah from, from from his days at fc porto and and um i used to watch them when i was little my family's portuguese and like that's the club we support but like I, I just have like this vision of him being like MLS versions or MLS's version of Hulk. Not to put too much expectation on his shoulder, but you know, he's he's got the he's got the right bill. he's got the the right skill set. Um but yeah, I mean and and kind of still staying on this track of player acquisitions. Uh Austin still has a third DP spot open. Um, you know, it, it looks like they kind of have their front line and midfield filled out for the most part, maybe adding one or two depth pieces here and there. Do you foresee the the DP spot, maybe going to a defender? Do you think it'll still go to a forward? Or do you think they're going to hold on to it until maybe another transfer window and just see what they have right now?
3: Yeah, I mean, as far as fol- holes that I still think they need to fill, I think that the biggest question mark for me still is is where the goal is going to come from. You know, right, like Danny Houston was, was the number one pick in the expansion draft, uh, still is a little bit uh, unproven. So, um, you know, we'll, you know, how he does as that lead number nine. And if he's banging in goals, you know, maybe they look, look elsewhere for that DP spot, but I do think that they're going to look to add, um, you know, wherever they think they need it in the summer. And I do think that right now, as I look at the roster, I think, you know, a striker is, is, you know, probably the biggest position of need. Um, And, you know, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't anticipate them, you know, looking on the back line for one of those designated player spots. I do think that they might have some room to add, you know, a TAM signing or two sort of fortify uh, that back line. But, um, you know, as far as the DP spots, I, I'd look more on the attacking end for that.
1: And Chris, Claudio Reyna stated earlier this week that they're looking to uh, probably add that third DP later on this summer in the next transfer window. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I mean, transfers take time. I mean, we saw it with Minnesota United last year with Emmanuel Reynoso; they were snooping around him this time last winter, and then that transfer didn't come to fruition until the summer uh do you know if there's any irons in the fire for austin fc as it's say that maybe could percolate this summer
3: yeah i mean i know that that you know claudia Renna and josh wolf have been working through a list of players they've had targets uh you know throughout especially south america um that they've obviously been able to land a few of those guys and uh, i think they've got a, a you know several more on the list but They've really been operating, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, because with, you know, like FC Cincinnati, it depends on, you know, different MLS clubs, but a lot of this stuff gets, you know, put out in the media, and, and, uh, you know, Austin FC has really sort of operated behind the scenes, and they've been lucky with, you know, a lot of, obviously, you know, agents and, and teams that they've been working with that a lot of this stuff has been mostly behind closed doors, so... You know, as far as who they're targeting, I I, I don't have any names to give you at, at the moment. I wish I did, but uh, you know, I, I think they're really you know focused on South America for the most part. Uh, and you know, you've seen with with their DP signings so far, they haven't necessarily broke the bank, but they've you know gotten some good deals on some guys that um, you know out of Argentina specifically that um, those teams are sort of struggling right now, and and they were able to to land a couple of guys for. Uh, A couple, you know, two and a half million dollars that were, you know, were valued far above that uh, in transfer market and things like that.
0: In addition, Austin had the number one overall pick in the MLS Super Draft and they got uh, or they chose Daniel Pereira. Do we expect him to get a a chance to play right off right out of the gate or is he more of a developmental prospect and hoping to be um, introduced into the squad as as the season gets rolling?
3: No, I definitely think that they expect to get some minutes out of Daniel Pereira um, out of the gate. I think they think that you know he's uh, can again fit into that number eight spot. He can defend. He can attack. Um, you know, not saying he's necessarily penciled in as a day one starter but I think he'll compete for minutes there in the midfield with uh you know right now that's a little bit of a thin thin spot in the center of midfield uh you know now they have Pochettino so I think they're pretty solid there Uh, of course Alex Ring you know playing behind but then it's you know is you know do you put Diego Fagundes there I think that's where Joshua likely wants to play him Ulysses Seguras fits in there I think Daniel Pereira will compete with both of those guys for you know maybe a starting role day one
2: yeah, so you touched on earlier, too, just kind of what Austin might look like on the field. Um, I know I've seen some of your tweets and some of the stuff you've written that they're looking to kind of be in this 4-3-3 shape. Um, Josh Wolf and, and Claudio Reyna have obviously spoken about wanting to play, you know, that fun, energetic soccer like everybody kind of does. Um, and they have built a roster that that could, you know, essentially fulfill this philosophy, Um but I mean, is is that what we're looking at this year? Are you expecting them to come out the gates playing this type of soccer, or do you think it might be a little pragmatic to start, um, especially just given the way that preseason is right now? I mean, they're really only going to have this weird kind of month to to get things figured out, and then they got to move into the you know into no fans and playing, and just kind of a weird season once again. I mean, do you think that's what we'll see out the gates?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that. Josh Wolf has a very clear picture of how he wants to play, you know, every single signing, uh, you know, he can give you, you know, the rundown of exactly, you know, what attributes he thinks that, you know, that guy's going to bring to the table, which of course you'd expect any coach to be able to do. But I think piecing those little puzzle pieces together, you can really start to picture, okay, you know, you know, they got Matt Beasler, he can, you know, he's going to be a possession center back. Um, you know, they're going to build from the back, you know, Mm-hmm. They they got um, you know Rodney Reyes okay he you know he's a right wing but he can sort of play across the front line any position and sort of uh, you know overlap and things like that you know they got uh, Nick Lima is a big one you know he can sort of tuck inside and play that role that they had with him in the national team you know coming up from from right back and almost playing sort of a holding mid alongside Alex Ring and, and so. Yeah, I think they're going to come in and they're going to, you know, play that base 433. I think that they could play, you know, 4231 in certain scenarios and sort of have, you know, multiple looks. I don't think they're going to be one-dimensional, but I think they're going to come out and try to play attacking soccer and again, you know, it's yet to be seen whether uh they're going to be able to get a ton of goals out of the gate, you know, just, you know, with I think, you know, they might still need a target forward uh t- to really hit their stride in the summer, but um, you know, I think they're going to come out and play that style, and um, you know, see, see, you know, see what it looks like at least from from the get go.
1: And Chris, training camps are set to open up here within the next two weeks. Uh, has there been any mention from Claudio Reyna or Josh Wolf what the expectations are for this team heading into their inaugural season?
3: Yeah, I mean, they've said time and time again that they they expect to make the playoffs. So of course, you know that's sort of a bare minimum expectation for almost any. MLS team, uh, that's established, but I think, you know, coming out and saying, you know, they expect to make the playoffs in year one as an expansion team, uh, it's been done before, but certainly not the norm, uh, you know, for, you know, whether you're, unless you're talking about Atlanta United and LAFC, that has sort of come in and hit, you know, hit things running. Uh, you know, of course we know FC Cincinnati struggles. Um, we saw last year, Nashville and Miami both snuck in Nashville made a nice run toward the end. I think Nashville uh, could be sort of a model to follow a little bit. Of course, Nashville with a, a few more goals in it would be, I think, what the fans would sort of want to see. But uh, you know, you know, make the playoffs, you make a little bit of a run. I think that that's that's definitely what they're they're looking to do in year one.
0: Yeah, Chris. Um, just the last couple questions here. I'm curious to know: Have you had a chance to drive by uh, the Q two Stadium? Yeah, no, I've been
3: there a few different times, uh, actually, you know, got a chance to get inside for the the unveiling a couple of weeks
0: ago. So, yeah, it's looking it's looking nice. So do, do you think um, because obviously we've had connections to FC Dallas, but it seems like Austin has the better out of the three. So out of out of Houston and Dallas, what do you think is the stronger rival to Austin?
3: uh between houston and dallas i think right now i think it's it's definitely fc dallas right i mean i think fc dallas has has taken um they're they're sort of looking to take that next step on the field but of course with the way they've produced uh you know in the academy scene i think that's something that austin wants to compete with as well they want to be uh you know sort of one of the leading academies and of course they can look to fc dallas as as a model to replicate there i think uh you know as far as the fun Houston rivalry, that, you know, we've got, we had the Joe Corona stuff. Uh, you know, I think all three teams are going to face each other in the preseason. So who knows what might sort of get stirred up there. I think that uh, the, was it the RSL sporting Kansas city rivalry that sort of was kicked off uh, at a, in a preseason match, you know, with Beckerman and, and, you know, maybe Beasler and, and Zusi. I, I forget what happened there, but I, I think, you know, who knows what's, you know, what could, would pop up as a rivalry. Of course there's a Columbus there's the whole Columbus angle of the thing, but uh, things. But I think that's more uh, the crew's rival than than Austin's, uh, as far as which direction that thing's headed. But uh, yeah, I think Austin's going to have a few few rivals. And
1: then Chris, you kind of touched on it there. This is a you know final question here before we let you go. It's a it's a two parter. So obviously you mentioned uh, the the Columbus crew link there. Um, you know, first question here is: Do you think? Austin would uh, in a way almost embrace kind of being that villain I feel like MLS fans kind of like to I don't want to say dunk on them that's kind of that's I don't think that's the right word but you kind of see that on Twitter or Facebook people kind of you know it, it, it kind of seems like people naturally hate Austin FC and in the second part question which you kind of alluded to here do you think Austin Columbus is going to be one of the the bigger and better rivalries in MLS or do you think Austin's not going to want to touch that at all?
3: so i think uh of course you kind of lit the fuse here uh on on uh, a bit of a touchy subject but it's one that i'm i'm well versed in and uh i'm actually from ohio myself so you know i've got friends on both sides of the whole thing so uh it's been kind of my avenue into this whole this whole thing but i think from an austin perspective though i don't think that austin's really a city that plays the villain well right I think that you know they're going to come into the league they're going to you know have sort of the shiny new thing but I think that they're going to have you know more of a party atmosphere I don't think they really want to like just yeah you know I don't think they want to engage with you know what other people see in them you know as being a villain or being some something that they hate I think you know that that stuff will will live and you know, especially with hardcore MLS fans for probably a while. And and that kind of ties back into the Columbus question that, you know, I think that it depends what happens on the field, right? It's like, yeah, the first time that Austin and Columbus play, it's gonna be a huge story. They're both opening new stadiums this year. I want to see which which gets to host the first matchup between the two. Um and, you know, I think you know Columbus is the defending champion of course and Austin's the, you know, new expansion team. So You know, it's probably going to be on national TV and and it should be a big storyline. But, you know, what happens on the field? You know, is this, you know, is this a rivalry that has legs? It's going to depend on, you know, is there a great 4-3 match, uh, you know, with a red card? Is there, um, you know, an MLS Cup? Man, how cool would it be to see an MLS Cup between Austin and Columbus? Now, I think, you know, Columbus is, uh, they just won the MLS Cup and Austin's got a long way to go before they sort of, uh, put themselves in that mix, but I think that's, you know, they want to be one of those teams as well. So can you imagine what that would look like if Austin and Columbus faced off in an MLS cup and cu- cup and in say, in, in say Columbus, you know, what that would look like. I mean, that's sort of my dream as somebody that grew up in Ohio and, and now is, is down here in Austin. But, uh, you know, I think maybe some Austin <laughs> FC fans wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily want to, you know, want to
0: see, uh, that happen, but I think it'd be, I think it'd be fun. Time me up for that cup. I'll, t- I'll take an Austin-Columbus uh, MLS cup. I don't know yeah. about about Justin or Jake, but I think MLS could have some more, uh, I don't know, I hate to use this word, but a little more hate, a little more emotion when the two clubs are playing. And then obviously, as you mentioned, I think it's definitely more Columbus with, with the emotion against Austin. I think a lot of people in Austin who are going to be supporting the club are going to a little be like, well, what did we do? We didn't, you know, Club showed up here. We, we right. didn't have that much... Yeah, to it, but
3: from that standpoint, I think from austin's perspective, it's the this is the best way it could have happened is that you know Columbus has their team and, and now Austin gets to grow something new. and I don't think they really want to uh, you know it's part of the story, but I don't think they want to make it more a part of the story than say, you know, getting into that stadium, having Matthew McConaughey sort of leading the cheers, and you know just the the new vibe of a new MLS team in a in a you know new city. Uh, the first major league si- sports team in the city's history. I think that's the story in Austin, and and it's less about Anthony Precourt, and it's less about um, you know the just the way that this thing whole, this whole thing started.
2: Yeah, and who knows? I mean, we we won't we probably won't see fans in, in stadiums this year um, unless by some miracle we do. And I think the fans really add to that type of atmosphere if there's really going to be one. Um, but you know. No, uh, a new rivalry wouldn't hurt the league. I think it'd it, it benefit everybody. But uh, Chris, before we we kind of let you go, I mean, do you want to plug, you know, where people can find you on social media and kind of what you do for uh, the Striker Texas?
3: Yeah, so I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I think you guys talked to, to Victor Arriza, right? Uh, so yep. um, he's also with the Striker. And John Arnold, of course, is our guy up uh, with FC Dallas, uh, covering FC Dallas. And, uh, you know, we've got coverage of the Dash and the and, – uh, USL championship teams and, and uh, soccer across the state. So it's this really uh, exciting new platform that we launched with, uh, you know, I'm a co-founder, co-founder with uh, Renee van de Zande and Roberto Silva um, have really got this thing off the ground and Johanna Gretschels, our our managing editor. And I'm just really excited to see how far we can take this thing, how we can grow the sport across Texas, uh, having this this new platform. And uh, we'll have an app coming out soon uh, to go with uh, the StrikerTexas.com is where you can find all of our coverage. And uh, like you said, follow me on Twitter at Chris Bills, and you can follow the Striker Texas across all social social media as well. So, just um, an exciting new way to get news out across the state of Texas, and and also hopefully nationally. Uh, you know, especially eventually as we grow this thing.
1: Awesome. Well, we wish you and the Striker Texas the best of luck this season, your first uh, season with the with the website, first season with Austin FC. So uh, we'll be watching you guys uh, there. Uh, Chris, once again, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
1: Thanks again to Chris Bills for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Bills. Uh, make sure you follow him. Make sure you check out his work uh, in the Striker, Texas. Now, uh, Stephen, I know you have a question. I have a question. So yeah. I'm, you know, I'm leading the show right now. I'm going to ask you first. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. A little aggressive here. Uh, Chris, we, we had talked about playing the villain role, if you will, for Austin FC as it relates to the league, Columbus Crew. Um, I know we've talked about it. We kind of think it'd be cool if Austin FC embraced that role of we're the bad guys in town. A uh, little disappointed that Chris kind of alluded to that maybe the team might shy away from that image and they don't want to, you know, that's not really who the city is and the team might not want to embrace that role of being, you know, the bad guys in
2: MLS. want I, I want to kind of answer this because when he said that and I started thinking about it, I think the crew have a really strong case of, like, taking that villain role if they really wanted to roll with it. Because now at this point, you have a target on your back. You're MLS Cup champion. So you instantly have that target on your back next season. Um, they have phenomenal players. Like, it's unquestionable that they have great players. And, like, this is a well-run organization at this point. And Caleb Porter, while well, I think he's a phenomenal coach, I also think he he rubs a lot of other MLS coaches, a lot of other MLS fans the wrong way. So it's almost like this perfect recipe for like things people could dislike about a team, and not necessarily because like they're bad, but because they're just that good. And they also have a coach that had uh, who did he get he got into a fight with Bruce, not a fight, but he got into an argument with Bruce Arena. There was that whole paper incident. I don't know. I, I think I think Crew could play more into it, especially if they provoke Austin the first time they kind of play, and they're the ones that are the aggressors in the first game, and they're kind of putting in the extra challenge or they're going in a little bit harder on challenges i don't know we'll, we'll see but I, I i think
0: i think there's potential for this though the crew being the villain would be interesting i'm just thinking back right who, who's who been the biggest villain in mls history It's probably the la galaxy right with, just because they're the Zla- superstars that
1: and like with zlatan i feel like they really yeah really i feel like with zlatan that was like peak villain just because maybe not so much with, maybe not so much with like the galaxy but with, with just zlatan just taking a dump over but the league it. and everybody else and
0: you loved it. We I loved it, I, I I loved it was... at first.
1: I got the, the 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 act got a little old there towards the end. did. Like he did Spart. back
0: it up. I mean, look what he's he doing did. at uh, in Milan um, with the Syria. You know, with uh, with Milan in Syria, it, it's pretty phenomenal. But Justin, I, I think Austin should embrace the the hate the the villain role. Why not? We're the new kids on the block. We got this brand new sexy ass stadium. Why not go all in? Come on. I mean, I, I think they could. I think it's. Well, the
2: other thing is, too, is if you're going to be the villain, like, you really need to feed off of that in-stadium energy, right? And I think it's like yeah. a new club, quite literally a new club trying to get into their first season. You're not necessarily looking to to build a, a cer- storyline, I guess, so to speak, for yourself or a long-term storyline for your club in that sense. I think you're just trying to find your feet and then establish... Yourself, And then once you've got that done, once you get that first season jitters out of the way, then you're kind of, you know, looking for, well, OK, how can we popularize ourselves a little bit more among MLS fans and among MLS as, as an entire league? Um, I, I wouldn't mind it if they ended up doing it. I, I think if if Josh Wolf and the team, you know, go through and, and play this kind of expansive soccer and it's kind of like that German rock star soccer or whatever Jurgen Klopp used to call it. Um, you know, they have potential to do it, but I I wouldn't necessarily be ashamed. I'd be, I maybe, it'd be a little sad that they didn't, but I I wouldn't be ashamed of them if they just chose to kind of focus on, on getting that product on the field.
0: Well, at at the very
1: least, at the very least, they don't have to be the villain, but I hope that crew versus Austin FC is just a badass rivalry. I hope there is...
0: We need fans.
1: I, we, we need fans, but I hope there yes. is there becomes like this genuine like animosity against one another. And I don't think I don't think you'll see that from Austin the the Austin perspective as it relates to on the field. But I think you could see that mm-hmm. right right away from the crew uh, players perspective. And I just hope like I always go back to you know mid to late nineties NHL hockey Avalanche Red Wings. That was such a you know badass rivalry where you know they were the two best teams in hockey at the time too. And they would always meet in the playoffs and just beat the hell out of each other. So I, I hope that, you know, at some point at the very least, it becomes a big rivalry just because I feel like a lot of the rivalries in MLS and like we're beating a dead horse here at this point, as it relates to the rivalry topic, because we've said it a thousand times in the show, but I just feel like rivalries in this in MLS are
2: kind of just dull for the most part. Yeah. It it would definitely potentially be a, a good natural one to kind of come up kind of like, I mean, I personally think, and I think it's becoming more league-wide, kind of, that the Red Bulls and Atlanta was a pretty strong rivalry in that 2017, 2018, maybe even 2019 kind of seasons. Um, We'll see how it goes now that both teams are, like, in this weird rebuild situation. Um, But Colorado and RSL, like, just animosity towards each other that, like, I I mean – Colorado and RSL quite literally come for each other's necks on the field. I don't necessarily see that between Austin and Columbus, but like if it's a well-contested game and, and there's a hard challenge here or there, that, that's all I think you could really ask for.
0: So, so I, I think that that's correct, but obviously the crew coming off their championship are the top dogs in MLS. Are we worried that Austin is, is going to be flat? I mean, right? We, we always talk about these expansion clubs what are they going to be? Are they going to be the Atlanta United kind of make this big splash and be successful, or are they going to be FC Cincinnati?
2: I don't, well, I don't think anybody could be as bad as FC Cincinnati. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to miss that badly with their signings, but you know, and it's hard to be like Atlanta United year one, then year two in terms of like winning that MLS cup. Um, But like I kind of said during the show, I think they have a strong roster to, to compete for a playoff spot in the west. Um I think they're going to be a good team. I have faith they're going to be a good team. I guess a lot of the question marks really are around Josh Wolf and like because I mean we've never seen him coach. He's never had a head coaching job. And usually you can kind of take a coach's prior experience, apply it to the new job and see where that might lead them. But in this case like we're going into this blind. At, at least as non-Austin FC fans or you know as mem- non-members of the organization, um So I don't don't know. There's a lot to be excited about. I I think as general fans of the league, we should obviously hope for them to do well and to start well. Um, And, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, but they're playing fun soccer to just kind of keep encouraging that. And then hopefully they build on that for the next few years.
1: I mean, I, myself, I'm excited for this team and I'm not even a fan of them. So I'm excited to see what they do um, just for, you know, it sounds like they're flashing cash and they want to, you know, spend with the big boys like LAFC and Atlanta United. So, uh, more of that is great for the league, but we'll have to see how that uh, all plays out here as we're about, uh, we are now officially uh, just under two months away from kickoff on April. Seventeenth, But that's it for today's episode, listeners. You can follow the show on Twitter at UnkSamSoccerPod, at JustinSosa99, at Steven Jotorand, and at Jake Watroba. For Justin and Steven, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. Deuces. <laughs>